Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, before I forget, so here's the deal. Um, high Holy Days, Jewish High Holy Days are on right now. It's why we weren't in the building last week. We did Water Sunday. Thank you to everyone that got involved, both individually and in the big collective events that we did. So excited about some of the great stuff that happened. Um, but anyway, so today, there is another big Jewish celebration that's going to happen in here after we're in here. And there are a pile of people coming. And we love the staff team here. We get along great with our Jewish neighbors. And we do everything we can to do our part to make life easy for them. One thing that we do every year, and if you've been around, you'll know what this means, is in preparation for this big thing that they've got going on this afternoon, we turn all the chairs to point that direction after the service, after we're done. We also haul in a bunch of chairs and make three big rows up here on stage. And it's just many hands make light work. And so let's just say Water Sunday has been carried on one week later. We're going to give you an opportunity to take some water. If you don't have to rush off right away, honestly, with a big group of people, it goes super quick, like maybe 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes max. Um, But that's if everyone, you know, kind of just chips in and does their part. So can I just ask you for your help ahead of time, all right? Uh, You're not being voluntold, all right? So if you have to leave, hey, no guilt, I will watch. And no, I'm joking, I'm joking. (laughs) Okay, uh, question. Any food allergies in the room? Anyone have food allergies? I'm just curious. Okay, yeah, yeah, don't be shy. There's no shame in this, great. Um, I, I have to admit... I feel for people with food allergies. I've, I've never had them. At least, not that I know of. Um, I do have, I mean, just the thought of, you know, coming into a place and looking at a menu and realizing, oh, man, I can't eat, again. oh, here's two items on the menu I can eat. You know, like that kind of thought. You know, you go over to people's place, they didn't know about the allergies, and it's like, I'll uh, have salad, that's fine, that's fine. You know, like, that, the thought of having to do that, um, it, it's, it's just, oh, uh, hey, it's, it's not pity, it's, but it, I feel for, for you. I mean, I, I haven't had allergies, but there have been a couple times where the options on the menu were really limited. I was down in Guatemala on a humanitarian trip that we did um, at Friends Church. Um, And I don't know what it was, but man, it was like every meal involved corn tortillas and black beans. (laughs) Hey, look at all you black bean lovers and corn tortilla lovers. Hey, hey, kudos. You would have loved it, all right? But I don't know what it was. I've never been a kind of a black bean kind of guy. Um... But after day three, I was realizing something was happening to my appetite. And I would get in there and, uh, you know, I, I, I know I was, I'd be really hungry in the morning. And I'd roll in and just as I was walking into the place where we're all gathering, I could smell the corn tortilla. I'm like, oh, oh, no, not again. And then comes out the big bowl of blood. <laughs> I'm just like... <sighs> Dig deep here. Dig deep. Someone's like, what's your problem? I said, I don't know what it is, but I can't eat these black beans. I'm just... By supper time, and I would barely eat, but by supper time, man, I was so hungry. And sure enough, I'll come the court. 
to this day, we'll be rolling through some market, and I can smell, and Kathy will start smiling. She goes, mm, smell that. <laughs> I'm just like, mm-hmm. I feel for that. I feel that, yeah. You know, sometimes I think we as a people have these kinds of reactions where we're like, oh no, in actually in religious environments where you end up in maybe perhaps a church like this. And it may be, oh, it could be a whole bunch of things. It could be stuff that they're talking about. It could be music that's playing. It could be a whole bunch of things. But all of a sudden you get that, Oh, corn tortillas and black beans feel. It's like, oh, I'm not feeling so good. I'm feeling uneasy right now. I hear people talk like this. They say, I don't know what it was, man. I just start getting annoyed. I was getting angry. I'm sitting there going, what exactly is causing me to feel so alienated? I feel like an outsider right now. I hear these kinds of comments from people and have been for years. They say, I don't know what it is about church, but man, there is something that happens inside me when I get inside one of them, especially specifically for some in more traditional church environments. And they walk away going, oh, that was, that wasn't a great experience for me. And I have to admit that I've been one of those. I know that involuntary reaction at times when I've been in certain environments where I'm going, this doesn't, I'm, I'm reacting to something going down here. And I'm, I'm lost in the moment. I, I'm, not, I'm not picking it up. Now I'm, and I can look around and people are digging it. And I'm just in a different place. What is that about? Have you felt that before? Have you ever felt like, man, I'm not, I'm not picking up what they're putting down right now. I want to be clear this morning as I jump into this talk that I'm not here to trash traditional religious communities. They're working really well for many, many people. There are churches all over the globe that are packed out with people that are just soaking things up, that are leaving feeling nourished and, and, and their souls are being fed. I think traditional church environments are serving a very needed purpose in our world. But I still can't deny that there are many for whom the traditional church experience does not leave them feeling that way. Are we okay? Just taking. Oh, okay. Fill your boots, Chantel. Fix that thing. That light's kind of flickering. I kind of thought it was kind of like a little bit of a dance vibe we had going on here. So I was like, okay with that. But it might be a little distracting. Yeah. Knowing exactly why these involuntary reactions to traditional church or religious environments 
can create these problems. It can be very perplexing. And we can look at some surface things, you know, you can look around in one of those environments and say, well, you know what, the music style really isn't my style, maybe that's it. Or maybe, maybe you know, uh, uh, there's no one here that's my age. Yeah, there, I hear that every now and then. Or I'll hear someone saying, you know, it just didn't seem like they're really talking about things that were really relevant to my life. That's fine. Sometimes, though, it's deeper than that. Sometimes what creates that reaction There's something else going on. And I want to talk about that this morning. We're beginning a series today called Watering Our Worlds. Really, it's a series about the vision and values of Friends Church. And, uh, you know, in this series, what we want to do is unpack why Friends Church does things the way we do. Specifically, these vision and this vision that we have and the values that we hold that, you know, if you cut us, it, it runs pretty deep. It, these things shape how we've done what we've, what we've done around here and why we do what we do. They influence and shape everything. Maybe you're here and you're wondering how at times or maybe why at times we will engage in certain things, why we'll talk about certain things, why we'll, why we'll talk about certain things in the way we talk about them, why we don't do certain things that perhaps you grew up in a church doing other things. And you're going, well, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah, we want to talk about a bunch of these different things. If you've ever wondered perhaps... Um, I had a woman the other day, uh, well, this is a while back, she said, you know, I don't know why, but she says, I've attended this particular, more of a traditional church environment all my life, and I've begged my husband to come to church with me, but he just, he has this reaction to it. He says, I, I just can't do it. So she says, I let him pick the church. I said, fine. We need, I want to go, I want us to go to church together. You pick the church. He goes online. She says, she, he found Friends Church. And she says, this is what works for him. She says, I cannot explain why this works for him. We come in, she says, this feels weird to me. And I, I, I don't know what it is, but he, he's, she says, he just really feels comfortable here. She couldn't explain it. She's like, I, I don't know what it is. She says, you guys are just a little different. Yeah. This morning, I want to explain perhaps a couple things that lie behind that. In fact, over the next number of weeks, we're going to unpack a bunch of different things that are distinct as a friend's church, because I think it's important. Some of you are being asked, even by your parents, what kind of cult are you into? What is this thing? Well, you know, it's a cult friend's church. And you don't know necessarily how to describe it, and they're going, uh, uh, seems dodgy to me. I think it's important that you understand even what it is we do and why we do it so that you can even have handles to explain it. Because I know that there's some of you who are resonating hard with what we're doing and perhaps you'd like to help someone else experience it who may need a friend's church too, but you're not sure how to explain it. That's why we're going to do this series. Anyways. If you've ever struggled to fit into traditional church, but you craved spirituality, 
And for some reason, this seems to work. I want to I wanna give you language behind that because I think there might be a couple of things that are doing it. Um, first of all, let's talk about assumptions because I think a large part of it is around the assumptions that are made by spiritual leaders. Uh, we all make assumptions. When we bring a big group together, we can't talk about everything, so we're going to make some assumptions about why it is you're here and what it is you're looking for. Now, I know someone once came up to me. I told them, well, I, was, I assumed that blah, blah, blah. And he says, you know what happens when you assume, Jeff? Right? You heard that one? You make an ass out of you and me, if you look at the word. And it kind of broke, broke down. I went, whoa, I never saw that before. But the truth is you need to make assumptions as a church. We all do. It helps you laser your focus. We got a limited amount of time. I think everyone's here for these kinds of reasons. So, and what are those reasons? Well, we make some assumptions. Church leaders assume you're not coming here on Sunday morning to talk sports. You're not here to talk about some of the latest and greatest stuff going on on TV. You're here because you're interested in some form of spirituality. If you're going to a Christian church, the assumption is that you're, 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 you're going to hear something talked about through the lens of Christianity. You're not going to come in and expect to hear someone quoting from the Quran, and not that there's anything wrong with that, or, or we're going to be talking about some Buddhist teaching or whatever. If you're going to a Christian church, yeah, chances are they're going to be reading from the Bible, they're going to be talking about Jesus, they're going to be talking about different things that can be found in the stories of the Bible. So we make assumptions, right? So there's big assumptions, there's small assumptions. Sometimes they're just little micro-assumptions that are made. Like, little ones. I, and I, I've been encountering this throughout the years. Over the... Over the last number of years, maybe, maybe you didn't know this, but when we started Friends Church, I would lead music. Um, wouldn't play, but I would lead singing, just like Alessandra or Kyler or whatever. And often, in the, mo- in the morning, there would be a break in the music or whatever, and I would look at people and I'd say, hey, we're going to do something. We're going to warm this place up. So why don't you just stand up, everyone, just turn to someone around you and say hi. You know, maybe, maybe the person beside you, what I want you to do is look them in the eye and say, hey, you were looking good today. Now, I would do, and when I would say that, people would laugh. They always laughed. You could hear them laughing. And for some, it was like, yeah, let's go. And they would just start talking. But over time, I would hear from a certain group of people that would say, I get really uncomfortable when you make us do that. I remember getting an email from someone that said, as an introvert, that terrifies me when you make me do that. It feels like you're forcing us to kind of step out and, and introduce ourselves to strangers. And this person said, like, I get to the point where I'm, I feel so awkward and so nervous. It just takes me right out of the morning. Like, I want to run to the bathroom. Like, What? A little micro-assumption. Now, hey, I'm an extrovert. I love it when someone comes up and says, hey, Jeff, you're looking good today. I go, hey, so are you. And then yeah, let's chat, whatever. It doesn't happen often that way, but it, it feels good when someone says, hey, what's up, man? I love that. So we project. We make these assumptions going, hey, if I like it, chances are, Dave, you're going to like this too. So tell you what you're doing today. 
You know, and that's, that's what ends up happening in a group like this. We make these micro assumptions, but we also make some bigger assumptions. Let's just talk about some of the bigger ones. One is just even around the area of beliefs, the spiritual beliefs that you assume everyone is holding when they come in. This is an interesting area. We used to um, sing songs that were very belief or theology-centered. So, and I don't know if you would notice this now, but at one point in time, like say, uh, let's pick, pick a song. Do you have that song, Nathaniel? Why don't you throw it up? This would have been a song that we would have sung way, way back in the day. Maybe some of you people who have been a part of church, an awesome God, all right? This is written by Michael W. Smith. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Now, this was the song when it first came out. Wow, you could hear it. It was like the top 20, top 40 church, church world, right? Everyone was singing the song. And if you believed in God, and you believed that God is an awesome God, and that he reigns, and you know, at this picture, you could be in church and be singing this, and it could just be, woo, it feels so good. Everyone's singing together. Wow, yeah, God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Not those other jokers down the street. Our God, whatever. <laughs> I don't know if everyone's singing. But we'd be singing away. Now, if you're coming into church and you're going, I'm not sure. I want to believe that maybe there's something more, but I'm still not. You could end up sitting in the seats as everyone's singing this and feeling a little bit uncomfortable, going, "Um, okay, I guess I'm supposed to sing along. But I hear this from people. They're going, I feel somewhat like a hypocrite because I'm singing words that I don't necessarily believe. And I'm nervous if I don't sing, people are going to be looking at me like, oh, geez. And I don't want to feel like an outsider here. So it produced all this kind of personal conflict. We sang all kinds of songs. And I mean, growing up in church, I didn't even think twice about much of the music that we were singing. It was like, yeah, that's good stuff. More and more as Friends Church kind of evolved into this place for people who didn't fit traditional church, more people were saying, man, some of these songs are making me nervous. They're making me uncomfortable. So you'll notice that now much of our playlist here at Friends Church, many of the songs that fill our repertoire are not focused so much on specific theology they're actually more focused around the human emotion and experience, the story of the human life. This morning we talk about a love, this desire to love and be loved. We talk, talk this, you'll hear us at times singing about at times feeling lost or confused, at times feeling lonely. We'll, talk, we'll use songs that speak of peace and this desire for joy. Songs that don't so much speak to a very specific theology so much as a common, universal human experience that everyone, regardless of their spiritual journey, could probably go, oh, I, 
I can relate to that feeling. Or there has been a time in my life when I was thinking that. Or man, this song reminds me of this story of this friend of mine who's going through this right now. I'm thinking about them right now. Like, I don't know what happens inside you as music and lyrics get played here on a Sunday morning. You'll notice it's more poetic. It's not direct. It's not, hey, look at believe this, believe that. It is more poetic, allowing you to find your own story, your own experience within those lyrics. Does that make sense? It's not designed to try to converge thought. It's allowing, designed hopefully, to allow people to go into their own experiences and stories and stay there. In more traditional religious communities, they have what is known as a statement of faith or a statement of beliefs. It's basically just a list of different theologies that the community upholds. It's kind of like saying, hey, look, at around here, here's the seven beliefs that this community all agrees on. And they, those beliefs can be about the Bible. They can be about Jesus. They can be about God. They can be about sin, about the afterlife, what's going to happen when this whole thing wraps up, what's going to go down, how that's going to go down. Different pockets of different cultural denominations, they have their lists. Friends Church used to have one of these lists. What ends up happening, though, is that when you, when you kind of decide, okay, here's what we believe, what it ends up, without even realizing it, is it becomes a kind of an in-out list. It's like, here's the seven. Take a look. Can you sign up? Does this work? And as long as it works, and as long as you can look at all seven and go, yeah, yeah, I can buy that, I can buy that, yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome. But what if you can buy six of them? But there's one of them that you're going, ah, man, that one there, that's, that's a problem. Well, then what? And this is a problem. Because within a group of people this size, if we think about the wider Friends Church community, say a, a group of 500 people that call Friends Church their home here in Calgary, maybe, and, and a whole bunch more that are joining us online. You think about the collective different diversity of thought and belief represented, just, even just by this group here this morning. <laughs> you try to land on six or seven or five or whatever that are all the same. Hmm. <laughs> there was one time, Vince and I got up on stage. We were doing a series talking about this diversity. And Vince and I both argued our different beliefs on how the world came to be, on creation. Now, I know in some traditional environments, man, that's not up for debate. There is one way that went down. So Vince took a crack at it. He says, well, here's, here's what I don't think happened. And he starts going off on his thing. And then I kind of came at it from a... I said, well, I kind of see things a little differently. And I shared my view on this. Well, man, I'm telling you, there were some people in that community, got rat in our community here, friends, this was years ago, got rattled. I remember one person come to, came up to me afterwards and said, look, it, this is really disturbing. Like, if you two can't agree on this, if you can't figure out how this whole thing went down, what am I supposed to believe? Like, you got to spell this out. You guys got to get on the same page, man. 
And yet, there were other people that were coming up going, oh, that was so refreshing. I'm so glad because I'm not even sure if I see it the way you do see it. I see it, but I'm glad because what I'm getting is that you're not forcing us to all believe the exact same thing on this thing. I said, that's exactly where we're going. Going, oh my God. I was worried. I was worried because I had a feeling. I got a couple things that I believe strongly, and I could tell by what some other people were saying. They don't agree. And I've been scared to even say anything because I'm wondering if, like, everyone believes that. And if so, like, maybe I don't belong here. You know, around here, not everyone in this community holds the same beliefs. Can I just be straight up about that? And that should be pretty obvious. But we're okay with that. I would go so far as to say that in most church communities, not everyone believes the same. But when you get a statement that's put up, now you either agree with that or you keep quiet. And so there are some people that are sitting in a community going, look at, I'm vocal about one to six. I go quiet on number seven. No one needs to know that. And honestly, hey, if it works, awesome. We just think that in the grand scheme of things, who you are, where you come from, and the reason you've landed on beliefs that you hold deeply inside you is pretty valuable. It's to be treasured. And over time, here's what happens. Sometimes your beliefs shift and change. This happened. This happened to me. I was in a traditional environment. I could sign off on all number seven. On all seven, let's just say there were seven. I, I, I had no problem saying, yep, I believe, 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 believe. And then something started shifting inside me on one of them. And I was a pastor. I'm going, oh, man, that one does, just doesn't make sense to me anymore. And then we'd end up in these conversations and that belief would get mentioned. And they would look to me like saying, hey, what do you do with that? And I'd say, you know, in my head I'm going, okay, party line, Jeff, party line. And after a while I, I started feeling this internal tug of war where I'm going, I, I don't want to sound like I am betraying the organization. I don't want to make them believe that I'm, that I'm here either. Ooh, that ugly feeling, hey? If you've ever felt that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Beliefs. More and more we understand that people are walking in here coming from so many different spiritual backgrounds. Some are going, I, I'm full-blown agnostic. Some are going, you know what, I would consider myself an atheist. Am I going to get punted out? I go, no, come on in. Is there something here that's resonating for you? Yeah, there is. There's something deep about this kind of spirituality, this way of living that really resonates with me. I'm just not sure about some of these beliefs. We say, well, come on in. It's all right. 
there's another big assumption that can be made. And it's in and around the area of morality. By morality, I think maybe I'll, I'll define it as kind of this internal deep sense of what is right and what is wrong. And, and almost in, in the spiritual environment, almost a sense of if I were to do this thing, I think somehow it would be spiritually wrong. You know what I mean? That, that's what I'll, how I'll use morality in this sense. So there's a lot of big assumptions that everyone's on the same moral page. You go into some circles and... There's just kind of a, a list of do's and don'ts. And if you've grown up in traditional church environments, depending on how traditional, sometimes it's like drinking is off limit, swearing, maybe smoking, smoking weed for sure, right? Now, oh, what do we do now? Now that's legalized. Oh, geez. Uh, it, it could be all kinds of things, premarital sex. There's a sense of if you engage in, and I, hey, if you've come from, you probably have a long list. My parents, when I go back and chat with them, going to movie theater, playing cards with actual like face cards. Anyone have any experience like that? Yeah, like if you're, if you're playing like not, oh, poker, oh my God, don't, don't, you dare. But so they would have this list and it was, it was kind of a, a list of morality. It was, it was kind of prescribed going, look at in this community, we don't do this stuff. Yeah. Forbidden activities. Often the assumption is that everyone in the group f- complies with the list. And what if you don't believe in it? Like, what if you can't sign off on some of that? Over the past 30 years, I've just been watching how this list has been morphing hard. It's been changing. Even in some of the most traditional environments, I've been, I, I've been surprised. I, I kind of come back and visit, and I hear people talking about them doing things. I'm going, what? what? <laughs> Wait, I could have just swore you were asking uh, that person's favorite wine. Last time I was here, that was a no-no. What happened? Well, the list was kind of changing a bit. At least it was in their little circle. We've seen it in people's sexual behaviors, especially when effective birth control came out. Culturally, things shifted. People's sexual behaviors changed. More people began living common law. That just became a cultural reality. In church and outside of church. I was doing weddings for kids who were now living with each other. And the church was kind of like, oh my God, oh my God I can't believe they're doing it. It was seen as an absolute no-no, but it was moving. It was happening. Well, what do we do with this? Morality is just kind of one of those things where it's like it's not illegal, but somehow there's this kind of sense of spiritual wrongness that somehow we've developed. I can feel it sometimes when I slip up and swear on stage. And I can tell people bristle. I've had people say, can you just avoid swearing? My mom's watching. I'm like, I'll try. I'll try. What is that? It's not illegal, but there is this sense of morality around it, spiritual morality. 
or he's going, no, it's wrong. And it's definitely wrong for you, Jeff. Man of the cloth. Blue cloth, yes. Could it be that each of us have our own unique moral code? That we each need to follow based on our own unique circumstances and upbringing and beliefs? When we first started talking about this, oh man, I remember some people wigging out. I remember one, one person coming up to me and saying, Jarvis, you guys start talking about this unique moral code that each person has that could be different than the next person. You're just giving people permission to do whatever they want. You're just, you're just giving license for them to just go out and just do. I said, well, what do you want to do? What is it you want to do? You want to just go and live a life of debauchery? You want to just go and just, just party all night all day? Hey, fill your boots. Tell me how that works for you. Long term. You see, the more we began talking about this unique moral code for each person, the more we began to realize, man, this is more of a mature conversation that requires an assumption that you're rolling into this place on a Sunday morning not to find permission to do whatever it is that you want to do. Because I think if you were looking for permission to do whatever, you, you wouldn't be showing up at church. <laughs> you wouldn't give a rip about what church is saying, man. You'd just be out Friday night, Saturday night. You'd be sleeping off of a hangover this morning. This would be the last place you'd come. No, you're rolling in here because you want something more. That's an assumption we're making. You're looking for a way of life that is deeper and wider than what you've experienced. And you believe there is a way. You believe that there is some kind of spirituality that will lead you into a meaningful existence here on earth. Where your life matters. Where you sense this this depth, this experience that is not just taking in, but you're giving. And if you've experienced, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's why I think you got out of bed this morning to show up here. So when someone says, oh, man, you're... No, no. No, that's, and that's not the assumption we're making. And that has not been our experience. Ever since we started talking about this, we haven't pe- had people running out going, oh, man, I'm, so, I'm loving this unique morality business. <laughs> no. We haven't watched that at all. We've watched people now going, so you're telling me i got to figure this out? You're not just going to tell me what to do? You're not just going to tell me what's off limits for me? No, we're going to ask you to put on your big boys and girls' pants. And we're going to ask you to do some hard work to think deeply about what is. And you'll, in the past, we've, we've used this term a lot, and you'll hear us talking about this again and again. We'll ask, what is on your frickin' list? And the list being your list of morality. What are the things that are your kryptonite? What are the things that lead to your downfall? And you already have, a, I'm sure, an idea of a few of them. We got together with some friends a couple weeks ago. I drank too much. That was a reality. I'm sorry. I, I just got carried away. We were having such, so much fun. That was not a bad experience. I walked away from that going, Jarvis, you've got to count your drink. I wasn't driving or anything. It was all fine. I just felt crappy in the morning. 
shattering your perspective of me. Oh, well, I'm a human, but I made a mistake, and I'm now going, oh, I can learn from that. Some of us have stuff around our diet. Some of us have stuff inside us that says, I need to avoid these kinds of people. I need to avoid these kinds of circumstances. There are relationships that are my downfall, and I've got to watch out for them. Do you know your list? I shared in the past, I've got this thing with flyers that can be really damaging. When those flyers come in, man, I realize there's stuff that I need that I don't need. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, oh, man, I've got to get down there and get that. I can't believe I've survived this long without that tool. So flyers are on my list. I've got to be very careful of those things. Now, here's the thing. Flyers are not evil. And for some, they're going, this is the greatest thing. Do you know how much money I saved? So for me to say, no, no, everyone, we're putting flyers on the list. They're bad. Stay off of them. It would sound ludicrous, right? And yet, I am dead serious about those flyers and me. So with this morality thing, we make these assumptions that can be very damaging. So around here, we, we, uh, we try to make minimal assumptions about people's morality. Beliefs and morality, we've wrapped up this whole thing around the spiritual journey and with the value. Here's how we wrote it. We, re- we respect each person's unique spirituality or spiritual journey. We recognize that not everyone's journey begins at the same point, with the same experiences or beliefs. In fact, we believe that no two people's journeys were ever meant to look the same. We don't believe we can define someone's spiritual journey for them. We don't believe that. It requires a constant personal investment to figure it out. We still make assumptions around here, And over the next number of weeks, we're going to be talking. We're going to be very open and honest about the assumptions that we're making. But around beliefs and about morality, we're trying to limit how prescriptive we get around those things, knowing everyone is so freaking unique. And chances are, your, your most beautiful expression of spirituality will come when you do the work to figure out where you are in these worlds. Now, just a couple things about that. Number one, this requires personal responsibility. This, this requires you not just coming in kind of like a kid just going, hey, just tell me what to believe, tell me what to do, tell me what not to do. No, it doesn't work that way. We're going to ask a lot of, hopefully on a Sunday morning, we're going we're gonna to tell our stories, we're going to share our own personal experiences. We're going to hopefully widen that out so that in the course of whatever it is that we're doing, you're sitting there going, okay, well, what about my story? How does this impact me? And hopefully, in the middle of it, you'll start thinking about how you would answer your own questions. And when you walk out here, you won't have someone else's prescription for spirituality, but you'll be thinking deeply about your own. That's what it really requires. It's a conversation that requires a, a deeper level of maturity. We're careful with age appropriate, in age appropriate ways. Some of the teenagers, it, it has to be language differently. 
But we're adults in this room and we're challenging you to think deeply about your own unique applications to these things of belief and morality. You will know what's on your list if you're paying attention. You will know when trouble's lurking. You will know, even in your body, when you're engaging in something that's not for you. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your emotional state, how your body's... I can tell sometimes I'm making a decision and my body just starts going, Jarvis, are you kidding me? My heart's racing. And I have to override that thing. This is adult behavior, paying attention to what's going on and going, uh uh-uh, no, this is a hard no for me. Last thing I'll say is everyone needs to focus on their own list. This is the other thing. We're asking everyone, do you know what's on your list? Morality-wise, second thing, we're asking everyone to pay attention to their own list and not to the other person's list. This is tricky. In a community like this, when you watch some people, you know, you'll find someone's very passionate about some kind of cause, volunteering, whatever, and they're going, everyone needs to be doing this. Even like Water Sunday last Sunday. We did some exciting things in the city. And you'll hear someone, I can't believe everyone's not here. Hmm. This is tricky. Because there's other people who are choosing individually to take water in different ways. We'll watch it in morality. Some people will look across the fence and go, wow, I can't believe they're okay with that. It's like, put on the blinders, my friend. Not your problem. It's not on your list. It's fine. Or if it is on your list, focus there. Make sense? Know what's on your list. Maybe that's where I can, where I can end up. Uh, maybe one last thing I'll mention is that in, a, in an environment like this, there will be Sunday mornings where we're going to talk, we're going to camp out on something, and there's always someone that's sitting there going, oh, this doesn't even apply to my life. In a big, broad group like this, I would love to be able to say that with 100% accuracy, we're going to talk about things every Sunday that applies to everyone, but there will be Sundays. Where that doesn't happen. And you're sitting there going, this is a waste of time. This is another thing about um, a more mature conversation is that, and, and celebrating the unique diversity of our community is that sometimes it's going to be for you and sometimes it's going to be for her. Sometimes, or maybe for them. And some days it's going to be for you. And the mature response is simply reminding yourself, sometimes this is not about me. That is a powerful piece of the bigger picture when it comes to unique diversity. So over the course of a year, all the different things that happen, hopefully it balances out, washes out in the wash. But man, I'm telling you, there will be times when you're going to sit here and go, Well, I can tell that this topic is resonating for some people or it's needed. And we would just ask that you celebrate that. That's all we're asking. And over the 
the grand scheme of things, hopefully, as a community, we all get what we need. Yeah, I'm going to wrap this up. I, I don't know. I was trying to think. In talking about m- belief and morality and these assumptions that we make around it and the fact that we're not going to prescribe some of these things, we think the divine has this incredible, and we're going to talk about this in terms of divine guidance. We're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. But there is a there is a very personal and unique experience that we're wanting everyone to have between you and something bigger and wider that will guide you in these things. And so I thought, you know what, maybe this week what I could challenge you to do is just to take some time thinking about how much you have made decisions around what it is that you truly believe and what it is that is on your list of morality do's and don'ts. How much time have you actually spent thinking about and, and, and not just adopting or em- embracing or inheriting someone else's beliefs? How much have you determined for yourself? When was the last time you kind of went, wait, no, no. This thing that I, I, my community, my upbringing, my parents, my work environment, whatever it is, this thing that they're all saying, hey, this is the way to go. When was the last time you kind of went, mmm, no, some doesn't work there for me. When was the last time you just spent time thinking about actually what is on my list? I'm just going to ask you to do that this week. Spend some time thinking about what is your kryptonite? What are the things that you must avoid that maybe other people aren't even thinking about? It's not on their list. Even in terms of your beliefs, have you thought deeply about what it is you believe, even opposed to maybe your parents or your community that you're a part of, even some of your closest friends? I'm going to invite you to give that some thought this week. And um, my prayer is that we all, over the course of this, this journey together, we hone who we are as individuals. And as a group, we honor it. I'm not asking you to do it exactly the way I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going to try my best not to project it onto you and say, man, if you're not thinking the way I'm thinking, <laughs> you've got problems. I'm going to try my best not to. But may we in the process find our sweet spot where we're going, this set of beliefs and morality, man, this, this just makes sense of my world and my life. And it shapes how I make my decisions. That's my prayer for you this week. All right, we're done. Look at um, next week, we're coming back. Actually, Vince and I are going to take turns and uh, hit two different values. Um, I forget them offhand right now, but have a great week, everyone. Thank you for joining us.